Welcome back into Straight from the Pitch, joined as always by Scotty Schweitzer. I'm Anna Witte. We took a week off, but we are back and we are here to stay. So we are so excited to be back with what is the U.S. Women's National Team roster being announced last week. Greg Berhalter is back in with the U.S. Men's National Team. There is a lot to cover in this episode, so we will get right into it. Starting with the U.S. Women's National Team, headed over to New Zealand and Australia in just a few weeks. They've left their NWSL team, so now they are strictly with their national team out in California training. We're going to break down the roster. We're going to go from goalkeeper to defender to midfielder to forward. Starting with the goalkeepers, head coach for the U.S. Women's National Team, Vlako Andonovsky, has named Alyssa Nair, Aubrey Kingsbury, and Casey Murphy. Alyssa Nair has let in 33 goals this season in 13 games, has made 51 saves, and has only made one clean sheet. Aubrey Kingsbury has played in all 13 games, has had 16 goals against, has saved 36 shots, and has three clean sheets. And Casey Murphy, 13 goals against, or rather, 13 games played, 11 goals against, 33 saves, and seven clean sheets. Scotty, what do you make of the three goalkeepers headed overseas this summer? I think there's three good picks. I really do. I think they're um, the ones that should have go should have went, and the ones that are deserving. Now, I would say if he's going for it with me, I I think Kingsbury is the best goalkeeper of the three. I really do. I think she's the the overall best goalkeeper. But she gave up four goals her last game against Portland. Um, she also we don't get to see how really good she is. I don't feel because. Washington's defense and structure and everything through Parsons is so well, she doesn't have to do as much as Nair for sure. Um, so I, I think she's the best, but I would not start her. I, I think Nair is a good goalie, but because she's been giving up so many goals for Chicago, she's starting to get like almost shy in the way she plays, like nervous, reactive. Like she's not doing things based on what she knows because – I know it was a decent shot, but the alley long goal the other day against Chicago, like that, that has to be saved. That, that has to be saved. So then it, it brings me to Casey Murphy, the, the Carolina goalie. And I think the way Carolina plays with all the possession and they're always on the ball and they're getting most of the play, that Casey Murphy has to then show up here and there and be ready when it does happen. And I think that a lot of the times when we're playing in the World Cup with the national team, that's exactly how the goalkeeping position is played, basically. Like, we don't know when we need you, but we're going to need you here and there. So make sure you're ready for it because we're going to have most of the play running through the game, kind of. And so I would pick Murphy as my goalie, but as far as the three goalies, I have no problem with the three that he picked. I think we even talked about it on the shows earlier that those would be our three goalies that were going to um, to the World Cup. Uh, I, I'll tell you, though, like I, I – Understand that she plays for Chicago and she's been getting just pummeled because they're so out of shape and such a bad team. But Nair has not looked good anyway. I mean, she makes saves, but yeah, I mean, you're going to get 100 shots, you're going to make 30, 40 saves. I mean, you're going to look great in, in a sense. But she does let some weak goals in and she's gone, some have gone on near post. The one I just talked about, the Allie Long, she got, looks like she got fooled by the curl on the ball. I mean, those things can happen in a World Cup. Uh, stage in an environment you have to be able to make those saves so Murphy would be my starter but I really as the three go I, I don't have any problem with the three I agree with you with the three I like all three I don't know if I put Casey Murphy in goal I kind of like Aubrey Kingsbury and I know against Portland that was definitely not a good showing for her uh, several of those goals she could have her instinct to dive was a little too slow compared to what we've seen of late and Alyssa Nair the confidence going into the World Cup 
I wonder like how she mentally is preparing and separating what's happened in Chicago, letting in 33 goals this season and separating that from her national, from her national team and going to the world cup and knowing that she has to have a completely different mentality. She's going to have different players in front of her. She needs the confidence more now than she has ever. I just wonder what that shift is going to look like for her. And I don't think we'll know, obviously, until we see her play in her first game for the U.S. That's why I'm not sure who I would start and go. I think I would go with Aubrey Kingsbury. I trust her feet more than I trust Alyssa Nair's feet. We've talked about North Carolina like all season long and how good they are in possession, how Casey Murphy doesn't see as many shots because of how strong North Carolina normally possesses the ball. So that's why I would say Aubrey Kingsbury and goal. But I would be interested to see, you know, how does – Alyssa Nair react and goal. I think she has to completely forget. She's going to have to make sure that she's like more mentally fit than in some way she's physically fit because that's hard to go from a team that's not performing well and then go over to the World Cup and perform in net and know that she's let in 30 th- 33 goals in 13 games. I mean, that's a lot. And I also, I love that we're doing this a week after we heard the roster because we've heard a lot of people's responses to the roster. Someone saying that AD France should have been on the roster is completely wrong. She's had a horrible season. She looks nothing like she did in 2022. And these three are definitely who I would go. AD French can't even start on her NWSL team. She can't come to the world cup. Yeah. We can't just go on something from the past. She, she, she hasn't been good this year. She doesn't play every game. I mean, I, I, I thought I used to think she was our best goalie, but this was maybe five, six years ago. She was super athletic, but she's not the same player. Years have years have gone on, and she she's just not the same goalkeeper anymore. And just because you like somebody and you want someone to make it doesn't mean it's the right fit. Correct. I completely agree. And I think the goalkeeper situation. Except if your name's Sam Coffey. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the goalkeeper. Sorry agreement is the like we agree on the goalkeeper situation but i think as we kind of continue our way down positionally it'll be harder to decide on what we think who should have made it and who shouldn't okay defenders we have alana cook crystal dunn emily fox naomi germa sophia huerta kelly o'hara and emily sonnet going to the world cup players who play consistent minutes with their nwsl teams emily sonnet has played more in the sixth this season for ol rain than she's played as a center back. However, one of the most recent games for Earl Reign, she did slide back for Sam Hyatt. What do you think about the defenders? Who would you have left off? And maybe who would you, are you happy to see be there? Well, I think they're going to play with Cook in the mid, in the middle with Gurma, and then Dunn and Fox is our, will be on the outsides, the right and the left. Um, and I think then they're going to hope that there's no injuries because of the, <laughs> I would not have brought Huerta and I would not have brought Sonnet. And the, to me, watching the NWSL play out and then the things that has transpired with Sauerbrom being hurt and different little things, like it's weird to me that and I that Sonnet played the sixth role and then she also played as an out as a center back. And and Listen, if, if she plays, I think that is the only place she's going to play, six or the center back for us. She's not going to get on the outside. If Dunn or Fox can't play on the outside for some reason, I don't think Sonnet or Huerta is your replacement 
to stop them or to change the game. That's my that's my only concern with why we brought those two outside backs. Like I understand that Sauer Brahms hurt and she's listed as a midfielder, but I have to believe in my heart that Ertz is going to be playing center back for us in the World Cup. It, otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to me, the the, the team that he picked. It, it just it, – it, there's a lot of things that are like – they're all good players except like – and, and Sonnet and Huerta are, are good. Don't get me wrong. They're good. I just think we have – we had to go with different options when certain things like – we still don't know that Lavelle's super healthy. So if Lavelle doesn't play, now you're looking at, okay, Sanchez and – like there's a lot of different dynamics that you have to do as a coach. Like if this happens, we have this, if this happens, we have this, I cannot keep going in my head and thinking if this happens, we got to get Huerta out there. If this happens, we got to get Sonnet out there. I just can't think of the scenario where they are, are needed or did we bring them just to like, okay, we're killing it. It's four, nothing or eight, nothing. It's Vietnam. Let's get these two in just to use their legs to save legs. But like, you bring players because you need them. You need them to win a game, whether that's defensively or whether that's offensively. And I don't think they bring enough to the table that they should have been the two other players coming. And and, and that's – you also have to – and I understand people are going to say, well, Sauer Braun got hurt. Like, yeah, but I, I don't think – if we're playing Sonnet center back, we're, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to have trouble. They're, they're, they're going to go at her for her pace. They're going, to, they're going to go against her. They're going to know what her weaknesses are, and they're going to use it against her. And that's going to change the way the back line. That's going to make Fox sit deeper. And it's going to make Gurma play more defensive sitting behind Sonnet. That's going to pull Dunn back inside. Like, for me, I just – those two picks, I, I just – on the back line, I, I don't – and I th- listen, there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, he brought a lot of leadership. But, like, we have Nair. We have Ertz. We have Rapino. You have O'Hara. You have Sonnet. You like how many players do we need to? That's we're getting too close to too many leaders, and everybody's going to be. You know, we have Morgan. Like we still we're like we have tons of leaders. Like how many? We need some young players to get introduced that are hungry, that want to play, they want to play for the country, and we needed to give them the chance. We had enough leaders. You get your time in soccer, and you have to go out. Listen. You don't want to as a player, but that's that's the job of the coach. Like, listen, you made a great run at it. You've done so much for the country. You've done so much for the game. It's this player's turn now. And that that's that's it. Like, every player has to go through it. Every player has to go through it. And coaches have to be the ones that make those decisions. I understand they're hard. I just, for me, those two players, I, I, listen, in, in the – and I go – and listen, their record's not great, but I would take Gordon and the, the outside back for Angel City over these two. And I'm not saying those are the two. I'm just saying those are two that I would think would help the national team more than these two. I think um, Staub in in Washington, Washington. shows yeah. you, like, she's a leader. She could organize us. She plays very similar to Sarah Brown. Like, there's a lot of other defenders that are having great seasons um, playing for their teams that are doing better than their these two at Seattle. And don't just – don't tell me the record. Don't tell me the record. It's what you're doing on the field and helping these teams to win. They're not doing – they get a goal here, they get a goal there. Yes, Rapino had three assists in one game. Like, I get it. I get it. She's also only played nine games. So, like, like why is that? Why are you only playing nine? Are you saving yourself for the World Cup? Or, like, because you know you might get hurt? Like, there's just – sorry, I'm, I'm excited about the World Cup. I'm totally hoping we win it. But I just think there's other players that deserve chances and – it's that's the way the game goes. And if we don't bring them, 
where it's going to push us back the next round too, because these players aren't going to be ready for the next round also. Versatility is so important. When you bring 23 women to the World Cup, you have to make sure that players can play in different positions. Like Crystal Dunn, we're going to need her on the back line more than we're going to need her in a forward position. But God forbid we do need her up top to start scoring goals and we get ourselves in a situation where we need a goal scorer. She can provide that. My biggest thing if with the back line is Sofia Huerta. The only thing that she does in OL reign that this team constantly highlights and that we see is good is her service into the box. So Bethany Bolser, who heads the ball in her one V one defense, her ability to track back her ability to read the game is not there on certain levels that it is for other player. You mentioned MA Vignola for angel city plays in the outside back position. I think she has the potential to be on the national team. Maybe he didn't see as much as he wanted to hurt from her this season. And I know she has some health injuries that keeps her off the field at certain times. And maybe that was a red flag for her, but definitely a better outside defender than Sophia Huerta. Sam Staub, you mentioned it. And I, I think we agree on so many of these players. I don't trust Alana Cook on the back line. I don't think she has the ability to start and run and her decision-making sometimes is really not there. I know it's a hot take because a lot of people are big fans of Alana Cook, and I think she's good in certain situations and when she has the right person next to her. However, Naomi Gurma having a player like Sam Staub next to her provides so much more, and I think they would be more comfortable on that back line together. And I just think with Emily Fox and Crystal Dunn, that back line would be shored up a little bit more. Alana Cook is a little bit more vulnerable for me. I know that's a hot take and not a lot of people, if anyone agrees with me on it, but she's made mistakes for all rain the past two seasons. I think the thing with Alana Cook is that she, she's nonchalant. She's nonchalant. She, she knows how good she is. And and it's actually a problem that she knows how good she is. She's nonchalant. She does things where she thinks you can't take it from her. You can't do it. Or you're not as good as her in a sense. And she like, Oh, this is going to be an easy one. Well, she's playing against great players. And the World Cup is going to show us that there are some really good players floating around the world that we don't get to see all the time because they play in these different countries. But but I agree. I think that's why I think a veteran player next to Alana Cook is really good because she helps her mentally. It's not the physical attributes. It's not her technical attributes. It's 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 not even her tactical, in a sense, attributes. It's just... She, she just knows she's so good. She thinks no one can stop her. And she, because of that, she's susceptible on sometimes when they break on her defensively, she doesn't get in her coverage quick enough. Or when she has the ball, she shoots slow on the ball. I, I have no problem with her being picked because of the good God, her ceiling is so high. But I agree with you that here's a player that if she had a better mental focus, she's probably the best player on the team based on athleticism and technical ability. But her mental, her mental approach to the game isn't where it needs to be to be, to be the best, to be the, the very, very best player. I think Alana Cook could be at soon the best player, like the best, soccer, best soccer player, soccer player in the world. That, that is how high I am on her actual ability. But that, I always tell players, the, the smartest player, the smartest player on the field is the best player. Not the fastest, not the biggest, not the strongest, not... But when the biggest, fastest, strongest is also the smartest, hardest worker, then we get something super, super special in any sport. LeBron James. I mean, just special, special players. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm not a fan of his style of soccer, but just when you look at the guy, like he has created that. Messi at 36, still doing what he does. Luka Modric, like these are just highly, highly intelligent players. 
that then are, are really good athletes. And then they know because of their intelligence, how to take care of themselves and how to prolong their games and how to do all these things. And we're going to get people that are going to respond and say, well, that's why they bought Rapino, And that's why, but that Rapino's not doing to the game, what Messi and Ronaldo and these guys are still doing to the game. Like they're destroying, like Messi was the best player in the world cup. Rapino is not even the best player on her team in games. So like here and there, she still shows her brilliance that she has, but like, this is a World Cup where you don't know how the games are going to get played out. You don't know what's going to happen. If we need her to take over a game, she I don't think she can take over a game. She cannot take over a game. She is a compliment. And I understand teams need compliments, but we have a lot of compliments in this country that are available that can do a little bit more in the game right now. And we'll, and we'll get to Rapino and everything, but I'm just yeah. – but that's just me as a certain player. And I agree with you with Atlanta Cook, though. She she is, if she doesn't have, but that's where, if you match her up with Gurma, Gurma, and I'm not, I don't think she is as good as everybody thinks she is on the ball. But everything else is like, it's okay because she's so highly in tuned into the game. Like she'll, she's going to make up for a lot of mistakes Alana Cook's going to make. And maybe knowing, hey, it's just us and Sarah Brown's not stepping in, then Sarah Brown's not going out. It's not going to be you. It's going to be me. They're going to be together. They can get kind of clicking. They get the if we don't get out of the group easy, easy. I don't know what's going on. But we maybe those three games just get them in sync, and then then they might be untouchable if they just. Yeah. I played with a, a center back, Craig Demon. He was Trinidad and Tobago. We just after a few years, few maybe a year of a whole season, we just clicked. We knew each other. We didn't even talk in games. We whistled, and one whistle meant him to step forward and me to step back, and and it's just like we got in this really good sync, and it was just. It was just a real fun person to play with because they're seeing the game as exactly how you're seeing the game, but from their point of view and you're seeing it from your point of view and they just match perfectly. So maybe something like that could happen with those two. Um, the last one I said, like I said, we didn't really mention Kelly O'Hara, or at least I didn't. I don't think she is a bad pick. I think she can do some certain things, but I like, she'd be a player to me that they brought, like, we don't know if we're going to need you, but we're going to need you maybe like, as an engine, like as a spark plug, as a something like that. And like, I, I understand that pick. I personally understand that pick just because when you watch her play, she's just something about her. Like you want to be her, you want her to be on your team. But like, again, like she hasn't had the greatest season, greatest year just to be picked, but that's going off of her pass. And you can't do that with seven players. You got like here and there, you got to pick your, pick your poison basically. If we're talking about players that were ringed to the World Cup for morale and for experience, Kelly O'Hara would be my top one, two, or three because our defense is not as stacked as our offense is. Like our forwards don't have the depth that our defense rather our forwards do have the depth that our defense doesn't have. So she brings that level of experience, but she also brings talent that if a Crystal Dunn or an Emily Fox goes down, I feel a lot more confident her sliding in than I do you know, some other players like a Sofia Huerta sliding right, in or, or, or yeah, I mean, or like, Sonnet. Yeah, seriously. I don't remember the year it was. Um, it was a few years ago and they had just started calling Fox up regularly. And then she was playing left back and it was against France. And I just remember her getting like torched by the girl. Now, I don't know if it was Rapino, whoever, but they weren't dropping and helping like they normally do. So I don't know if it was like, let's see how she does. Let's see how she handles herself. Let's see if she gives up, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. But she was getting torched down this line, like could had no answers for the girl, which I think was 
the same age, if not younger than Fox. So I'm sure she's still on the, on the French national team. And that's how the French national team plays. They attack out wide. They, they're real fast. They're, they fly down the flanks. Anyway, if just, let's say, happens she hasn't gotten that out of her head or just has a bad game, which players do, who, who are you bringing in? Like, if, if Fox's pace and ability can't stop this player, how can Huerta or Sonnet do it? Like, okay, you're going to slide Dunn over to this side, but who was Dunn playing against? And she was, you know, had that side maybe shut down. Or, or if they're both getting beat, like, and you got to make this change. Like, to me, is like, I – O'Hare is your only hope, and then you're like, please don't get hurt because you're also been to many World Cups and you're you're up there in age, and you know then then can they come out of it? And then the next game we have, like, you got to get that out of your head. Do you play a fast player? Do teams see it? And now like now they know, hey, attack them out wide, attack them out wide. If we can get one of them hurting, and we got to sub one of them out, look what they're bringing in from the bench. And I think that's where I don't think he looked at it real well and said. Do I want these players on my sidelines? Like, if you just need them specifically for defensive stopping, like that—that's their best chance to play, and they have no chance if that's the best chance to play. Yeah. In in my in my watching the games, I don't want to go too far down this next rabbit hole before we get to Fords. But my thought is, Andonovsky could have brought Trinity Rodman to help on the flanks because of what she's done defensively in the NW style, and we'll definitely get to Rodman. But she is the, if Sofia Huerta is in and she's getting crushed defensively, we know Rodman can handle it. But I, I, I have looked at this roster and said, okay, this is who I have to take. And all the scenarios, like I said, he should have gone through. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I got Ertz in the back. I got Rodman in the back. Like, that's our chance. So, like, I'm still saying Huerta and whatchamacallit are there for the locker room you know, to keep us going, to keep the morale high, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be tired. I'm playing out of position, but we can win this thing. It's all about us. I I understand that. But like I said, there's like eight of them. There's like eight senior leaders. Like that would be really good to bring younger players in just to witness it and be a part of it and want to be the reason if we don't get over the hump that we get over the hump next time. Or if we do get over the hump, the pressure not to let it down. We got to figure out how to get over the hump again, because now it's my turn to help more than just be a part of, you know, the, the trainings and the, whatever we got to do to win kind of keeping the team going kind of a thing that that's just when, when I look at all the scenarios, you're right. I see Rodman, maybe she's in the back, like shutting somebody down, but we do have enough forwards where now we're playing a little bit different of a style. And again, that's, and we'll get to the midfield because I think there's mistakes in the midfield too. We'll get to midfield. And you mentioned wanting to play in, bring in some younger players to get that experience and see how the U.S. women's national team system works. Savannah DeMello is potentially going to get her first cap at the Women's World Cup this summer. Julie Ertz is coming after only seven games played since 2021, where she only played one game. So it's been like three years. Seven games for Ertz this season. Lindsey Horan, an obvious lock. Rose Lavelle has played two games, the first two games for OL Reign at the beginning of the season. Christy Mewis, Ashley Sanchez, and Andy Sullivan, who is the starting six for the Washington Spirit, will likely be the starting six for the women's national team this summer. I've heard people say, and this again, like I said, Scotty, I'm glad we're doing this show a week later because hearing what other people say, 
Julie Ertz is not going to be the starting six. Like she's only played seven games. She hasn't played that well. She has not stood out at all. Andy Sullivan. Gosh, no. Andy Sullivan is the starting six. Do I agree with Andy Sullivan being the starting starting six? No, but she's the much better option than Julie Ertz in that position. So, so my thinking is, I agree. I don't think she's our starting six. I don't think she won't be the starting six because I'm almost positive we start with Vietnam. And I'm thinking, yes. you know, 10, 11, nothing. So maybe she's, we play, you know, Ertz. Like, I, I wouldn't personally do it. I want to be like, okay, what's my team I think I'm going to win the World Cup with? That last game, that's who I'm starting with. I want to get them some flow, some movement, some 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 happiness. You know, they're going to beat Vietnam. Okay, there's, if you're going to, you're going to be nervous because it's the big first game, but good God, we're not going to be nervous because of the opponent. So let's get all that out. Let's get them all together. Let's let them see each other's runs. But you can also say, okay, I'm going to get Ertz in the game because I think I'm going to need her down the road. But like, again, I, I do not see her in the midfield. I, I just don't see it. I, listen, Ertz at the six is the, I, I don't really think she plays. I know that's her position, but I don't think she plays the six. She's high up the field. She pushes up. She does this, which was good. When we had Sauerbronn, Sauerbronn would push the next center back up and get everybody set, and all our triangles and diamonds were all in the right places. We don't have – we have Kerma and Cook. And even if we don't, we have Kerma and Sonnet or Cook and Sonnet. Like, I don't know who else. So, Ertz, remember, everybody, when she came on the scene and we were all like, holy moly, she was Julie Johnson, and she played center back in her first World Cup, and she was amazing. And she cleaned up all the messes, and it was great. I would think – Listen, she hasn't been great, but she hasn't been super terrible fitness-wise and speed-wise in the games and strength-wise. Her jumping has decreased, but her actual tackling and stuff, that's still all there. That's why I, I don't see her being the six. And if she's our six, we're chasing games. I think we're chasing games if she's playing the six. It's not like we're controlling the game and, and we're on the forefront. We are chasing games if she's playing our six because I, I don't think she's done – Listen, she hasn't done enough with Angel City. You can blame the coach. You can do this. But she hasn't done enough with all the talent around her at Angel City either. She wasn't just brought in to, to play the six. She was brought in to be the leader and the coach on the field. And they're better, but they're also better without that coach. And then they're, they're starting to finally understand themselves a little better. But I don't think, like, when I watch, like, if Julie Ertz isn't in, they're not going to be the exact same team, Angel City. So that's my thing with her playing for the U.S. I don't mind her going. I'm sure there's a lot of other teams that still fear Julie Ertz and they haven't seen enough to know, is it, oh my God, when she shows up at that first game and she's all back in and all the adrenaline and everything works great. I personally do not think so. I don't mind her making the team, but if we're starting her at the six, then then we have a coach that has very little confidence in the players that he brought that we had to play her at our six. Cause I mean, we, we haven't even really seen anything from her. In a in number of games or actually on the field doing anything. Right. Julie Ertz provides too much of a risk. She, like you said, she steps too high and our back line doesn't have the ability to sustain the pressure 
if they don't have a true six sitting in front of them. Julie Ertz just is too much of a risk in the midfield. And I think that it will definitely be Andy Sullivan because she doesn't take those risks. She doesn't have the athletic ability to get forward and back. So she will stay true and stay in front of her back line. Once you move up the field, Lindsay Horan's a lock. She's going to be starting in the midfield. And I agree. That's a really good decision for her to be there. Rose Lavelle, Golly, I hope she's healthy because we really need her to perform at this World Cup. And that's the reason Savannah DeMello came onto this roster is if Rose Lavelle can't come, it'll be between Savannah DeMello from Racing Louisville and Washington Spirits' Ashley Sanchez, who both play in the 10. Sanchez has that partnership with Trinity Rodman. They have the friendship that everyone knows about and they play well together on the field. However, Savannah DeMello has lit the NWSL on fire I don't know if it's going to translate to the world stage. That's something that we'll see. Rather, that's a mental thing, a physical thing. Is she's going to be able to handle it? Uh, I think from a tactical standpoint and technical standpoint against, you know, the Netherlands and Vietnam, she's going to be just fine. But I believe that Black Andonoski will go with Ashley Sanchez just because she has more caps and more experience from the jump. If, and the biggest if, is if Rose Lavelle is not healthy to go from the jump. I got no problem bringing Rose DeVell. Yeah. <laughs> she is a game changer. So, yes, we have not seen her play, but, like, 80% Rose DeVell has to be on the field. So, like, that one, like, I know, like, that that would only – my only thought when before we had our team picked was you got to think she might not be able to play. Not that you're not bringing her, but who is the replacement for her? And I agree. I think he's going to go early with Sanchez. My thing is – Sanchez is a really good player who usually plays next to Trinity Rodman Hatch, a game changer. DeMello is also a game changer like Rose Lavelle. She can do things without things happening around her. She can take things on her own shoulders. Whereas Sanchez, and don't get, I love Sanchez. I think she should be on the team. I like her style of play, but she finds pockets when teams are fearing the other players around her. Even if you fear DeMello, she finds the space and has the savvy to do things on her own. And I think that is really the change. If Lavelle can't play, I personally think it should be DeMello because she's very similar to Lavelle where when Lavelle gets the ball, we all get up out of our seat because anything could happen. When DeMello gets the ball in the NWSL this year, we get up out of our seat because anything can happen. When Sanchez gets the ball... We keep one eye on Sanchez because she's going to do something nice dribbling. She's got great skill, make a great pass. And we look for Rodman or Hatch making this amazing run that she then can play with. And there are players around with her, and that'll be seeing and dissecting the game. But, like, I feel like that is one of the things that the U.S. has is this Rose Lavelle player that, like, she can go off the script and it throws teams off. Whereas most of the other players stay on the script of how we're going to play. We're going to do this. Rose Lavelle is that one player. Rapino used to be that player. Lavelle can come off script and do whatever she wants. And then the players kind of feed in and read around her. And I think DeMello plays very similar to that. And it wouldn't be hard for the players to say, oh, this is something like Rose does. She makes the run. So we're going to slide. We're going to shift. We're going to hear here just in case she loses it. Um, but I think he's going to go with Sanchez just out of he's comfortable with Sanchez. He knows Sanchez. But I think DeMello is going to win us a couple games. And if we win the World Cup, she's going to be a huge reason why. Yeah. E even if Lavelle's healthy. I think DeMello is going to play a huge role in this World Cup. 
I hope DeMello plays a massive world and uh, role in this World Cup. She's been so electric in the NWSL that I think she's young enough to be able to take that experience and like put it seamlessly into the World Cup. Like she plays without, she has no fear. And I think she can bring that to the World Cup in that midfield position and play with with no fear in this role as well. Christy Mewis making the roster is a player who, when you look holistically at the roster, I would have left her at home. Like, And I wouldn't have subbed another midfielder in per se. I would have just left Christy Mewis and maybe added another attacker. I don't believe Christy Mewis, she's played in all 13 games in NWSL, but she hasn't done anything for Gotham this season. She's always been a bubble player for this roster, and I think she's just a good player, but she's not going to be a game changer. And when you bring people to the World Cup, like you want to win and you need the game changers and the players who can be different and be electric in that midfield and fit well with it. Christy Mewis isn't that player for me. I think she's fine in the NWSL. I don't see it here. I, I agree. I think she's a player that will always find a spot on a team. She's a, she's a good teammate. And that's great. And every team needs them. But this is the World Cup. This is the U.S. national team. Like, she needs to be able to bring more to the table. And that that's like, we talked about it a little bit before the show. Listen, and, and people always like to say, oh, but they play a different position. Like, Mewis is a player that, she played the six for us in the game earlier in the year. She plays an eight. She's really not a 10. She sometimes gets the false nine kind of like, but I, I just say, think to myself, if you could trade, if Portland could trade to Gotham, even up, Mewis for coffee. Portland's saying no way. And Gotham is saying, when do you want to do it? How fast do you want to make this trade? For sure. Just even up. And then I think if, if people are like, oh, you guys always like coffee. You always think coffee. Well, Ando said that this was going to be a huge, the NWSL is going to have a huge matter, a huge, listen, DeMello's been amazing for Louisville. And the reason she has that freedom is because Jaylene Howe is sitting in behind her. So if, if, if Louisville called New Gotham and said, hey, we'll make a trade, Jaylene Howe for, for Mewis, in a heartbeat, Gotham would take it and Louis would be like, no way, no chance, not, not. And I understand you're going to say different position. These are players where, listen, coffee played a 10 in college. She plays more like an eight than a six. How plays like a six. We, she plays a little deep, which will help our two center backs. Like these are two players that I think, man, I just like, when I look at the whole thing, like I don't understand why some people were picked and some people weren't picked. I, I almost feel like it was a safe pick based on what the novice fans knows and like, well, if we don't win the world cup, a lot of the fans that don't know or don't follow as, as tightly as other fans are going to be like, Oh, it was the players. Well, you took old players that struggled in the last world cup in certain games. And you have new players that are hungry and are, are showing their worth and are in the league playing against, against each other and, and doing and outperforming players that have been picked. And to me is like, you know, Mewis, we, we saw her on a couple of things and she said if she didn't make it, she would think her soccer career was like, so I think that played into it. Like you got to kind of leave emotions out. I understand it's hard, but as a coach, you got to do what's right for the growth of this team to win the tournament. You win the tournament, you inspire younger generations and, and it just, it's a cycle. And like, there's a lot of players that are thinking like, what do I have to do to, to make this team? And like, I'm always getting overlooked just like, youth players are always getting overlooked like because a coach likes this and I understand coaches can pick who they want but 
you have to also really do your due diligence of doing what's right for the game and for the team and for the players and for the growth going forward. And that's, that's the hard thing for our national team coaches. When to say when is the next crop has to take the reins. We have to take the reins because it's going to happen sooner or later. And the earlier I can get you adjusted, the, the better, the longer my, my ability to be great is like, I understand we're still number one, but it used to be by a landslide. Man, teams are close. Like, I'm really looking forward to see the Germans play. I'm really looking forward to watch Spain play, who is going to be amazing. And they have a whole bunch of players sitting out because they bring their young players up as soon as they possibly can and get them games and throw them into a big environment so that they're ready for when their time comes. We are in a situation where at the beginning of 2023, Vlako Andonovsky did not bring in the younger players to go to Australia and New Zealand and play in Chivalese, where those young players could get that experience. Sam Coffey could have had four or five caps underneath her belt. Same with Jalen Howe with Racing Louisville. They could have had that experience. And then you look at the roster now and you'd say, oh, those players have that experience. We can bring them instead of Christy Mewis, who's now 32 years old. And shouldn't be going to the World Cup. And not that age is a factor for her, but it's it's just she's she's aged out of her ability to start in that midfield and be effective in the World Cup. I like the other players that Black and Anofsi brought in the midfield. Obviously, we miss Sam Coffey. She's had six assists in the NWSL in 13 games this season. She can do everything. We don't have to continue to harp on Sam Coffey because everyone knows we're a huge fan of her and we believe she'll be on the World Cup. We're not the only ones who believe that. I know her teammates believe that as well. Sophia Smith has made comments about her and, and how what her future will look like in the midfield. However, it is disappointing that some of these young guns in the NWSL aren't getting the ability to potentially come to this World Cup. But it'll be fun to see what Savannah DeMello does. And Scotty, I think you agree with me. I'm glad we're not playing in a double pivot because this national team does not need a double pivot. We are athletic enough to not have to have more than one six. And I'm glad we are way beyond those days. <laughs> we, we could, though, play the double pivot like the men sometimes do, but it's it's so not a double pivot. And that's what I said. Coffee yeah. to me is an eight. So if you had, like, let's just say Jaylene Howe or – but I mean, like, you're right. We're so – if we played it, we would be silly to play it like a true double pivot. We would need to be like, you could have two sixes. Shoot, we could play with three sixes out there. We're so good offensively also. Like, it wouldn't be that big of a, a deterrent for us as a national team. I'm just – I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying even our sixes yeah. are super, super good going forward and getting in the game. And, like, if you look at our, our like, just the sixes and, and throw in there, Ertz, Coffee. Jaylene, Hal, like, like, those are three, like, good God almighty. If those three were in the midfield, like – Wow, you could play with your 10 sitting right behind them and do almost a 4-4-2 weird formation and just be like, how are you going to break us down? We have three sixes sitting in here yeah. that are allowed to go and, and slide and go forward whenever they want. You got Lavelle sitting in front or Rand sitting in front. And then the next game, just throw the next 10 out there at them and say, hey, deal with this because here's our sixes that you can't get by, basically. And then Alana Cook could fool around all she wants mentally. <laughs> she wouldn't ever have any chances on her. But I wouldn't play that like that's just this is how talented we are so like when when you harp on it what it like like I don't think he made the right choices on all his picks but what a hard job to make some of these picks like there's so many good players on the girl side I don't think it's as hard on the men's side I just the girl side is just like you could argue for days of who should be there 
Absolutely. And I think the forward position is the hardest position to argue who should be there because there is so much forward talent in the NWSL that they have the caps and the ability to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. So the forwards that are going to the World Cup are Alyssa Thompson with Angel City, Alex Morgan with the San Diego Wave, Megan Rapino with OL Reign, Trinity Rodman from the Washington Spirit, Sophia Smith from the Portland Thorns, and Lynn Williams at Gotham FC. Megan Rapino has played nine games this season, has started seven of them. She's had a goal and she's had four assists. However, she hasn't played of late for OL Reign, and she's a player that I'm not sure I would bring her for the morale and the overall experience because we have so many other players who can be so much more effective in that position from the jump, like Ashley Hatch. I think Trini Rodman is a great lock. What we saw her do at the beginning of the season wasn't to the level that we thought she could do. And now in NWSL, Trini Rodman is performing four goals, two assists. Sophia Smith is on an absolute another level and she's a great pick lynn williams with seven goals this season for gotham and alex morgan has been phenomenal Alyssa thompson is coming because mallory swanson is injured this board position i think all of them are good outside of megan rapino again to harp on how many experienced morale type players do we need coming to australia new zealand and why if you're going to say, is NWSL going to be where you evaluate your players and your talent? Ashley Hatch having seven goals and two assists in 13 games. Why isn't she there? She's been with you guys throughout this entire journey and she can perform. Everyone has talked about how great of a teammate she is and how self selfless she is. That's the biggest question mark on this roster is why is Megan Rapino going and is Ashley Hatch left at home? I 100% agree with you. Listen, I am gutted for coffee. I am gutted for Jaylene Howe. Um, I, I, I cannot understand the Rapino pick over Hatch. I, I just, I don't understand it one single bit. Listen, with the players you have brought, Rodman, Morgan, Sophia Smith, Thompson, these are burners. These girls are going to get up and run. Like, I, I personally think, like, if you started a game against, and not in our first, or maybe Holland, maybe Holland, and you just said, okay, you're going to throw Sophie Smith at the nine, Lynn Williams, and Trinity Rodman. Like, I'm not saying that that's our best, but, like, what what, are, what is the defense going to do when they look at that? Like, holy, I mean, shift wrong one time so that we can play, because Haran will be able to spot diagonal balls. They're just not going to be able to handle all that speed. And I don't think he's going to maybe ever throw that lineup out there. But then, like, okay, one of them gets a little fatigued or a little tired. Good. Pull one of them out. Put Thompson in. Here's another dose of speed. Here comes a little bit more. Then, okay, okay, we got to move. Let's say one of them gets tired. And you don't want to take Smith out. Slide Smith to the side. Bring Alex Morgan in. Okay, you're going to make your last sub up top. And Rapina. Like, she's the super slow version of what they all are. So, like... If you're going to bring her in, like, and again, I said I got, I might play her at a, at a 10 position, Rapino in the World Cup. I, I don't see how she's going to get isolated out on the flank. Listen, we're not the only team that's gotten bigger, stronger, and faster. Spain's ridiculous. France is ridiculous. Canada's ridiculous. Um, there's so many good, the, the Germans, like, I, the, I can't wait to watch the Germans play. They're big, they're strong, they're physical, they're, they're skillful, they're tactical, they're team oriented. Like, there's just, I don't see where Rapino is going to help us now hatch. We've said it before. She is also different than that group, but 
She hustles her off the ball running. She does all these things. She's an old school nine. She gets goals. She does all the dirty work. She plays this weird. She's always around. She falls back into the midfield. I do not understand. I do not understand not taking hatch. I, I, I don't. And if those forwards are the forwards you're taking, I totally get it. Like, I wouldn't take Rapino. Let, let's say Swanson doesn't get hurt. I, I still not taking Rapino. And now I'm not taking Thompson. I'm still taking Hatch over Rapino. So, like, I, this one is just she's she does everything that the teams ask her. Any team, Carolina, trader, as a rookie, like, you got to be like, I'm rookie of the year. I scored all these goals and they're going to trade me. Like, I don't understand, blah, blah. Goes to Washington, kills it, wins them a championship. And then, okay, then from there, you know, goes with the national team. Every time you see her play, it doesn't matter how. She gets a goal. She gets on the score. She gets she gets an assist. And, like, Rapino, like, she's played nine games all year. She hasn't done much. She had a couple games where she had a couple assists. Her assists come from free kicks. You're going to say, oh, well, you said Sam Coffey has six assists, and she's got free kicks. Please. The six taking free kicks is way different than your – star striker 10 9 11 one of your star superstar forwards like and and coffee's also getting like second assist constantly in games she sets up the person who gets the assist like i don't i don't want to hear that that rapino's had a couple assists in a game and deserves to go hatches teams in second place right there fighting for first place they're in every game um she scores every game she scores in every game or gets an assist so i would love to hear this conversation that they had and I would love to hear him say why he didn't bring her. Because I don't know if he's the coach, if you can ever bring her to another one. Like, I would have no confidence in this coach that that this coach believes in me. Ashley Hatch is in a good position because she's playing for the Washington Spirit. And she has Mark Parsons as her head coach. I think she's in the best position that she can be right now. We mentioned the fact that she plays with Trinity Rodman and Ashley Sanchez. In all 13 games, she has that continuity with players that you're probably going to start next to her if you were to bring Ashley Hatch. So she has that experience. Hatch does the defensive work in the NWSL that Megan Rapino does not do. All season long, Ashley Hatch has been tracking back to help her back line, which the U.S. Women's National Team might actually need that this summer. And she'll get forward. Like, she works hard, like you said, Scotty, and she puts it in all 90 minutes. Megan Rapino, we don't see that from anymore. Don't expect that necessarily with where she's at in her career. However, you can't bring players based on past experiences and what they've done for U.S. soccer and what they've done for the team. Megan Rapino is not there athletically that the speed and the ability that Ashley Hatch can bring to this team. Ashley Hatch can play in the next cycle. Hatch will be a part of the next World Cup. And gosh, I hope she's part of the Olympics next summer if she continues on the trend that she's on. However, she's just like of all the players that you're going to bring to the World Cup and not bring to the World Cup, she is definitely on my roster because of what she does defensively, what she can do forward, et cetera, et cetera. And then the locker room, she's phenomenal too she's a different player too than what they throw out there. And he, I understand I said that Rapino's different too, but Rapino's trying to be what they do, but just a slow version of it. Right. Hatch is a different player. She, she runs on the back shoulder. She makes all these diagonal runs. She's an old school nine. She wins headers. She like, she brings like, if I've been guarding uh, Morgan or Sophia Smith all game, and then all of a sudden, this comes in. It's like a baseball guy that's been looking at fastballs all day, and then like he finally times out the fastball, and the guy comes in and throws changeups. It's just you can't hit it. It's going you know 30, 40 miles per hour less. 
but you just can't get there. That's the that's what happens when you're like you gear up, you watch film, you watch. I'm gonna this player is fast, strong. This gets on this, and then Hatch gets thrown out there, and she's a totally different. Like, man, you gotta like click over real quick mentally and be able to okay, what's her tendencies? What's her likes? Where does she go? She shows here, she shows there. It's it's hard when a completely different type of player comes into that position that I've been marking and and game planned for thinking 90 minutes. Yeah, I have to understand there might be a sub, but like when you're talking Alex Morgan, Sophie Smith, Trinity Rodman, like our forward line, like no one's thinking any of them's getting subbed out. Like they're, they, you don't think they're going to, but we get fatigued, we get tired. And then, okay, you throw a hatch out there up in the nine spot. Is she going to play a false nine? Is she going to play a, a high nine? Is she going to, you know, drop back into the midfield and defend because we're up one goal? Like I just think she has too many things that she does well that you don't bring her on this trip. And, and has done everything you've asked her to. She's the first one up off the bench on every goal when she's not in the game. You play her 10 minutes, she plays like she's dying out there. Like, she she never sulks. She never pouts. And, like, that that's a big thing. You got all these egos. You got all these egos. And and just, like, the players like that we said we didn't like. Like, what happens if, weirdly, we get injuries and we got Huerta, uh, Rapino? And Sonnet all on the field at the same time. Like, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble against whoever we're playing against, unless it's Vietnam or, you know, one of the easier teams in the first round. But, like, Holland, Holland will t- pick that apart. That's just, like, you have to play all the scenarios of how they fit. And, like, I, I just don't think at the World Cup you just bring someone just solely for what they are in the locker room. And, like I said, good God, we got enough of them, too. Hatch is in a good position too, or rather Hatch's response was really good. When she played after the roster was announced, they played against Portland. She was smiling. She started the game. She didn't take any like mental break that some players might be able to use not being named to the roster as an excuse. That's not Ashley Hatch. That's not her personality. And I just loved not only was she there and she was supportive of her team, but she scored a goal and showed why she should be there. That's what you're supposed to do. And I think she's all class and has done a really good job handling the response to the roster being announced and not being on it. I definitely think she'll be a part of the next cycle. But between Ashley Hatch and Sam Coffey, I'm disappointed that they're not there. And when you look at the team holistically, I wouldn't do a like for like in the four. Maybe Megan Rapino, sure. But Christy Mewis, maybe not go and bring in Ashley Hatch. There's other players in different positions I would bring and want to bring in. It wouldn't be necessarily like for like, depending on the spot. I agree. You could, you could have made, like Crystal Dunn can step into the midfield. You got all kinds of things where players can right. move around. Like I agree. Mewis to me is... That's a tough one, and Rapino is a tough one. There's just better players out there floating around, playing in in the NWL. There's just better players floating around. I mean, Mewis doesn't even start every game. Like in the beginning, I was checking to see like, is she hurt? And she's not. She's just that's just the coach's decision. Like, I, I, man, I, I don't know. World Cup teams that do really well, they usually their starters are not. Are their players that went usually aren't sitting the bench at their teams. Like it's very very Harry Maguire for England, but that's like it's so like. Not not really what usually happens. Like, these guys are starters for their club teams. You know, the girls should be, I would think, starters for their club teams. For the U.S., like, if you're a U.S. player, you should be starting for your club team. Definitely agree. And so between the goalkeepers, we expect, but Scotty and I have different, I guess, takes. He's going Casey Murphy. I'm going Aubrey Kingsbury. On the defense, I want to watch the partnership and the two center backs. Crystal Dunn and Emily Fox will be the outside backs, but it'll be very interesting to see how potentially Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook 
fit together in this short turnaround without Becky Sabron. In the midfield, what is Savannah DeMello going to look like? What are her minutes going to look like? Maybe even more importantly, what are we going to get out of Rose Lavelle up top? We don't have Ashley Hatch, so Lynn Williams, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Alex Morgan, who are going to be the starting three up top. What is Vlako Andonovsky going to do with these fours, and how is he going to distribute minutes? I think that will be the most exciting. The World Cup starts in a few weeks, so we have Vietnam, the Netherlands, and then we have Portugal in the first round. Expected to make it out of the first round. It should be fairly easy. However, once we get out of the first round, what is it going to look like with this national team? So there's so many small pieces and different storylines that will be really fun to follow. Um, I'm not sure how things are going to look. I, I hope – they come out on top, but this is going to be one of the most difficult World Cups, if not the most difficult World Cup for the national team because of the talent on these other teams that they're going to have to be playing against. Yeah, I agree. This is going to be amazing. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be just as good as the men's. It's going to be the fans are going to be there. It's going to be I, I don't know. I'm so psyched for it. I'm yeah. super excited for the Women's World Cup. There's so many talented players. So much talent all over the field. So many good storylines that Scotty and I are going to be following. So definitely stay with us. We are going to not only watch the U.S. Women's National Team games, we're going to watch as much of the other nations as we possibly can. If there's a team or a country that you would love for us to follow or break down one of their games, definitely let us know. Uh, but Scotty and I are definitely going to be covering this World Cup and individual talent, especially for the U.S. Women's National Team. Staying with U.S. national teams, the U.S. men's national team, man, they keep us on our toes. We don't know what's going to happen. Day in and day out, we're talking about who should the national team hire last week. And then this past week, we get Greg Berhalter as the new head coach. He is the head coach. He's been with the U.S. men's national team since 2018, and he will not be with the U.S. men's national team until after Gold Cup, which ends mid-July. Matt Crocker has been very vocal that he's confident that Greg is the right person for the job. They did not have, you know, they obviously didn't win the World Cup last summer. They haven't been the elite of the elite that we expect from the men's national team. How do you see Greg Berhalter fitting into this role in 2023 moving forward? I think it's going to be exactly what we just saw. And, and that's my problem with it. Like, look, I, I will say this. In the Nations uh, semifinals, Nations League semifinals and the finals, that is the best I've ever seen a U.S. national team play. That is the truth. And I know after the game, Pulisic got on, and he's been very vocal that he likes Berhalter and wanted Berhalter back. Mm -hmm. But he got on and he said, this is a testament to what Greg did for us. Well, first of all, no, it isn't. Because Gio Reyna played the 10, and Berhalter never played Gio Reyna at the 10. He always played him out wide. And he let Gio Reyna be the facilitator. Everything ran through Gio Reyna. And, and like, listen, we've said it. He, he is a spoiled little brat, but that is our most talented player by far. That, that is, um, he's our player by far. And like, you also have to say like, and, and it's kudos to the players because they had an intern and then they switched off to another intern because their intern has got another job overseas. And, and, the, and they just went in there and they – now, granted, Mexico is a shambles. They're terrible. I've never seen a Mexican team so bad, just like I've never seen – and I think part of that was how good we were, but they're also horrible. And then Canada, uh, they look like a shell of themselves. Like, I think Canada's a good team, so I don't want to be too harsh on them, even though they haven't looked good in the Gold Cup. But, again, it, 
the only team that looks like they brought anybody that of any substantial was between us, Canada and Mexico is Mexico. And they got a four nothing result. But I'm just saying like there, there, there was players playing in this game that Burhalter didn't take. He didn't take Pepe. Pepe came in against Mexico and scored the second goal. Reyna was the best player I thought in both games. I know Pulisic got two goals in the first game, but I, I, I thought um, Reyna was by far the best player in both of the games. I thought he was the best player in the tournament. He was amazing. Like the things he did, he just didn't, he didn't look like normally how we see an American player. The kid that played outside back scantly, uh, Berhalter didn't take him. Like there were players on the field moved around and playing positions that Berhalter's a big Zimmerman fan. When Zimmerman came in against Mexico, he was horrible. He almost gave up a goal. Like to, to me is like, you can't say this is Berhalter's team because this is, is something different. And now let's see what Burhalter does because in the the first game, the best player I thought in the midfield was Reyna. Musa was the second best player. McKinney wasn't even that good. McKinney gets a red card. Then Aronson comes in against Canada and does just as good. And we all know Tyler Adams is our best midfielder. So McKinney's going to be sitting the bench, and I want to see how big of a team supporter he is when he's not the starter and not the star. Because with Adams – uh, Musa and Reyna, that, that's that's a really good – there's not many good midfielders like that in the world. And that, that's saying something like those are three really high-caliber midfielders. And now we get – you know, you got um, the kid up top that we just got uh, from the from Arsenal and the French team, and he's a real good forward. Like I know everybody's like he's the real deal and everything. He's a really good forward. I don't know about the real deal. He did score a goal, but he knows how to play the game. We got Pulisic. Like, we have a good – we have Ware, who's really good outside on the outside. Like, we were really good, but we can't just say this is Burhalter's team. And then a lot of the interviews and the stuff, I watched everything on it, and they were saying, well, we'll see when Burhalter names his staff. Well, why would he need a new staff? Look at what these guys have done in the meantime when you didn't – when you weren't here, right? like they've done amazing. Why would he need a new staff? But then they were saying, you know, he's going to have an, an offensive staff and a defensive staff. And, and I understand that the best team I've ever been on, we had a, a midfielder coach, a defender coach, a forward coach and a head coach. And like you would, if you needed certain information from a certain role, even if I was a defender and wanted to know how the midfield was supposed to shape shift and shape, I went to the midfield coach. So you were learning all the aspects of the game. So I totally get it. But I think it's because Burholder's on a short leash. And, and that's my thing. I think U.S. soccer thinks we're idiots as fans. Like, I think people turned us down. I would hope people turned us down because why didn't Burhalter get an extension sometime in the World Cup? Like, right before the Netherlands game. Like, as a business, if I'm running that business, I'm like, holy cow, we got to hire this guy. Because if he beats the Netherlands, man, we're going to owe this dude some money to keep him. And everybody's going to want us to keep him. So did they know the stuff about Reina and all that? And then now the stuff that happened 20, 30 years ago, I got, listen, that happened in the past. If they took care of it, they took care of it. That's great. But that, that shouldn't have any bearing is my thing is, okay, forget the Reinas. Like you're not going to let them bother you, but he never called Gio and had a conversation after it all and said, you know, I'm sorry, my mistake. You know, I hope we could still, if it ever happens. And he never called Pepe. And they said to him in his one interview, did you think you were going to, and he's like, I always wanted to be. Listen, I coached the team professional and I really didn't agree with the ownership. And I knew I probably wasn't going to coach after my contract ended. And when my contract ended, it got really drawn out really long. 
But I met with every single player because that was my responsibility. When you hire a coach, you are a leader. You're a leader of the team. You're a leader of men. You're a leader of women. Like you have to be a great leader. And that's my problem with hiring Burhalter again. He might know the game, but that can only get us to so far. You then have to be an unbelievable leader. And, and that's my, I, I just don't think like we found a great leader in Burhalter. I think that's his shortcoming when it comes to, can we get this team? Because the team that we have, they have information from the Premier League. They have information from uh, Syria. They have information from the Bundesliga. They, they're, they're learning the game all over. Like when we watch a European teams play, there's tons of pep in it because all their players that played at Man City, there's tons of clop in it. So like, it's just putting this team together and then leading them. And I think that's where Burhalter's biggest failures are. He's not a real good leader. And the only people that have spoken highly of him are all the players that were real comfortable in his spot. Some players that weren't have said they didn't think he's a good coach. Like Scally said, I don't think he should be the coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I think maybe the kid Sand said his, his style of play is too much for a national team that's not together. He's asking us to learn too much in too short of a time and change the way we play. And we're just a national team. Like it's, it's not like we're together day in and day out. So like certain players, very few have talked bad. All the ones that have talked good, you would think they would. That they're super secure in their spot. They always start the games. They're the captains of the teams. You know, like I don't, I don't think Pulisic would be talking super highly of whoever is at Chelsea because he can't break into the lineup. He would never say it's me. I'm just not good enough. It's always the coach's fault. Well, on the national team, all the players that have spoken up, Yedlin, they want to be on the team. They want him to pick them. Like, I understand that, but like, is he really the best? Are we going to be better than we were when we just lost to the Netherlands? I think we're better as a team. I think what we just saw the other day was like, holy cow, we need something, a coach that can take these players because they're young and then really elevate their style of play because we have the players. Now, I don't think our pool is super big because what we're watching in the in the um, Gold Cup is not good soccer from the U.S. But that's a lot of the subs and a lot of the players that are looking. And and I think I said a while ago, I'd like to see this Cade Cow. He reminds me of an MLS player now that I see him more. He's just all, you know, gas and go and go and go. There's no nuances and, and subtleties to his game. We have that in our group, that main group that we just saw at Nations League. And there's probably a couple more just floating the Adams when he comes back from injury. But that group needs a coach that takes them to a whole nother level. And that level, is, I don't think Greg can get them there in coaching. And I don't think he can lead them there as a leader. And that's just, I just think if you were going to hire him, we should have hired him a long time ago. I don't know what took so long. I, I don't have and no idea why. And I understand, don't put him in the Nations, I mean, the, the Gold Cup, because people are going to blame him for that. Like, put him, if you're going to put him in the Gold Cup, bring all the best players. Don't bring that mess, because that's, that's just a mess of players. We waited till June to figure out. I mean, this whole situation with Burhalter being put on pause to be evaluated with the story with the Reina happened in December. It is six to seven months since that situation happened. And we are just now finding out that he's coming back and he's missed all of that time he could have had with those players and developing them. I think he should have been with them in the Gold Cup. I, I think he should have been there. Just if you're going to name your new coach, 
you want the players that are coming in to get that experience with the guy who's going to be your coach for the X amount of years. Beyond the soccer aspect of it, you you hit on the point that I don't think should be overlooked with how he said Gio Reyna. He hasn't had a conversation with him and he hasn't had a conversation with Pepe. I definitely think those conversations need to be held and that's such a not that it shows anything about him as a leader, but I think before you come to a press conference, you want to smooth things over with some of the best players on your team. And I think that definitely, yes. yeah. And you, you don't want to say that in a situation where they can kind of take that and run with that however they want to run with that. You want to make sure if you're coming back after the situation that happened and whatever happened, like you said, 20 years ago is whatever happened. And they've the U.S. soccer has moved past that. But you want to make sure now moving forward, you learn from whatever happened and you make sure moving forward that those mistakes and those things that happened in the last six, seven months don't happen again. And you want to make sure that you have the confidence of your locker room and being out six to seven months and everything that's happened and the speculations and the whole drama of it all, to be honest, is going to be completely different. I believe that U.S. soccer should have moved on. They should have brought somebody new, somebody who's a little bit younger, has different experience, who has a completely fresh look on the U.S. men's national team and starts to change it now because they have the young players now. Get somebody new in now to really shift and see what happens come 2023, or not 2023, in 2026 when they come here to the States and it's a completely different team. I don't know. I just, I don't think it should have been Greg Berhalter. And I disagree with how the whole thing went, went down. Um, bringing in Matt Crocker, I thought he had a huge upside and he has not brought in a new head coach that is a bright upside to say the least. I agree. I, I, from the start of it, like we were, I was excited. I was excited for Crocker. Mm-hmm. Roll not, the tape. Just, you're right. The whole way it went about, we get it at half. We get it at halftime. <laughs> Like we're watching a great game where we're beating Mexico. We're outclassing them. We're doing everything. It's just an amazing game. The U.S. is killing Mexico. Like I don't even know what the score was at the time, but we were destroying them. We were so much better than them. And it's like it makes you happy as a fan. And then halftime comes and a blur comes over. It's like Greg Holder, Greg Berhalter. Like how does that get leaked? How does that get leaked then? Like either he leaked it or the U.S. leaked it. Like that doesn't just get out. So – we get it at halftime and everyone's like, uh, credit to Dempsey. He's been asking some really hard, tough questions. Like, like we, we have all these things. Like why, why now is it going to be different? He's asking them. He's like, how are we getting this now? Like what did, what took so long? Why did we wait? Why did we waste so much time? Then we do that. And then the interview and you're like, Berhalter's looking at his, they're all looking at it, like smiling in their press conference. And to me, I'm like, they got over on us. They're smiling at me. Like they know they got over on us or something. Like we're all idiots. And then, like, this whole thing goes in, like, oh, he's not going to coach the Gold Cup. Like, like that's my whole thing. Like, you're the leader of the country team. Like, you just told everybody sense. at the Gold Cup. You probably pulled Turner aside and just, like, have fun. Just don't worry about it if you lose. Don't worry. These are all the suckers. We're not even going there. I'm not even coaching. I'm like, it's such a bad look. Like, yeah. you're the coach. Why did you take the job to coach everybody? Like, this is the next crop, maybe. This is the guy you got to go and say, hey, look, let me tell you. You do pretty good in the MLS. You stink. Like, that's your league. Like, enjoy it. You're never going anywhere out of there unless you start really watching tape and doing this and this. Like, he's like, he's got, he's in the, at the beach somewhere with his feet kicked up and like just chilling. And like, and then what did he, Crocker said? It's so we can really have a sit down and talk about the direction of the, of where we're going. That's why he's not coaching these games. And I'm like, you don't know the direction? You just hired this maniac. 
Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you talking about? You need to sit down and have a chit chat with them. Like that was the interview process, supposedly, that you went through. You hired an, hired an outside firm to hire your coach. Like, what did we hire you for? Right. Like, what, what is everybody doing? Like, you can't even get mad at, like, I, I always want to be mad at the president. But like, at the end of the day, she's a volunteer. She's like, well, I don't get paid. Screw it. Like, I, I get it that she sits up there and, and but like, what, what took us so long to come to this conclusion? Like, we knew everything about this guy. Like, who did we interview? Who did, who did you say no to? Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira? Like, we talked about it when Tony was on. Brazil has their coach, and they did everything, and they're going to get Ancelotti. Like, they're not messing around. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're like, we didn't get who we wanted, so let's bring Burhalter back. Could you, could you imagine, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now have not had a great last few years. Mike Tomlin, they let him go. Situation happens. Then they try and bring in someone else. It doesn't happen. And then they're like, Mike Tomlin, July, he's back. But he's not going to coach preseason. He's not going to be there. He doesn't want to be in Pittsburgh for preseason. But as soon as the regular season kicks off, he's there to coach. And the last few years have been mediocre. And we've missed the playoff a few times. But he's back. We want him. Why? Why would you want him? You're the best of the best. You're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You are a dynasty and you haven't been good of late. Why would you want him back? That's the same thing with the U.S. men's national team. You guys haven't been great. You haven't done anything for soccer here in the States on the men's side. Why aren't we looking outside or elsewhere? Just anybody else. And I'm not, that's no huge knock to Greg Berhalter, but he hasn't done anything that's convinced me that he deserves the job moving forward. I, I agree. Like, listen, that, that, that nation's cup, the semi, the set, the final was good. Um, Canada kind of yucked it up and messed the game up a little bit just because they're so athletic. Um, Canada reminds me of us, like really talented us, us a couple years ago, really talented, but like not super intelligent as far as the game. They think it's always going to work. They're fun to watch, man. They, they get after it. They go. But then they leave themselves open. They don't understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. They just go, oh, I'm really fast. I'm a good dribbler. I'm going to go. I'm going to do all this. They remind me of us. Um, and it, that messed the game up for us. But we were still way more class than that. We, we deserved the tournament. We deserved the championship. And I mean, good soccer. Like, if I'm another country sitting, I'm like, oh, man, these guys are going to be pretty – they're hard to beat. They're athletic. They're getting skillful. They're doing this. The, the team likes each other. They fight for each other. I mean – Des was really good again. And listen, Des is really good, and he starts for us, and he sits the bench at AC Milan. He can't even get in the game. like that, And that's how good he does against the Mexico and the Canada teams. Um, I'm just saying we're, we're good. like, And, and now we're bringing Burhalter back, and it's going to end up like, so we're going to be good, but we're not going to win anything. Like That's not the point of the game. you got to be good and know how to win. Argentina can do it. Spain can do it. Germany used to be able to do it. Now they've turned into us and they can't do it. And maybe because they're just taking, they sure do look like it, the biggest, strongest, fastest player at the youth level and moving them up. And like, that's used to be what we used to do. But now we can't do it because our whole team is European. Yeah, they are, They're all playing overseas and, and some, somewhere else. Like we got a couple MLS guys in there that do okay, but it's the Europeans that, that drive our team and drive us play. And that's when you turn on the game tonight and watch the the Gold Cup is it's an MLS game. It'll, it'll look like an MLS game. Whereas this game was like, wow, this was we were moving, we were doing things, we were manipulating the game of how we wanted to play. And then once we knew we had Mexico running, man, we got them chasing and we got them going after it. And we got it to become a chippy game. And like that was played right into our hands. And we can't say 
oh, that's Burhalter. Like he hasn't been around the team. Guys are playing a little bit different. Some guys have a little bit of freedom. Some guys are glad he's not there. Some guys are like, I better play good because he's coming back. Like we can't say that. And and the focal since Burhalter has been gone has been Gio Reyna. So like, and then this is the guy that he hasn't even talked to. And listen, there's no way I know Greg Burhalter. I went to high school with him. I know Claudio. I don't know Gia, but I'm I know Claudio. Listen, these guys like the limelight. They like to be the big dog. They like to be the alpha. Like, I want to know who we hired is the mediator between these two knuckleheads because this this is going to be a problem. This is not going to get solved. I, I don't see it. I do not see Burhalter and, and Reyna squashing their beef. I, I don't think either one of them is mature enough to do it. So who did we hire to be the mediator? And it can't be like, you know, an ex-player because an ex-player is going to be friends with Burhalter, he might be friends with Claudio. Like, we need somebody from the outside. Like, hey, what do you do? Oh, I just don't let these two knuckleheads mess around with each other. Like, that's my job. That's all I do. I'm the mediator. Like, I just to me, it was like, there's better coaches out there. And like, I've I've thrown out names, and like, just because we hear a reporter, they say something like, I said Luis Enrique, and then supposedly it was Napoli. Now supposedly it's PSG. Like, if it's supposedly, it's not yet. So like, did we do enough to get one of these top coaches in here? Or like we never like no one ever says like, oh Thierry Henry said no, oh Mourinho said no. Like no one ever turns us down. Like it's okay, people turn down jobs. They want other jobs. It's okay. Like like everybody wanted the job. Like I I don't think so, or we wouldn't have Burhalter as our coach. I, I just don't think I don't think he's going to change the dynamic of the team enough. And this team needs someone to be that they really look up to as a mentor soccer wise and, and knowledge wise like and I know Pep's not available but there's a lot of great coaches that are like Pep out there that we could have hired and and I just think we just took the easy way out and I think we're gonna it's gonna cost us in the in the end this we won't see how this will play out until after Gold Cup there's a game today we're recording this on Wednesday but there's a game on Sunday against Trinidad and Tobago seven o'clock Eastern time BJ Callahan will still at be at the reins of the US men's national team but this is a very interesting storyline that we will continue to follow once uh, Greg Berhalter starts to take over the team officially again so uh, the U.S. Women's National Team is headed off to the World Cup in a few weeks. Like we said, and we talked about the roster, we'll definitely be following all the storylines and what is happening over there. Obviously with the U.S. Men's National Team, with the Gold Cup and everything that will happen past that. NWCL MLS is in full swing this weekend. We will be back on our regular scheduled programming on next Wednesday. So make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you like to go on social media. It's at S. FTP pod and we will see you guys here next Wednesday. Have a great week.